This is called, the name of our Bible study is A Healing Journey. We're kind of right in the middle right now. We're on Lesson 7 about relationship, developing a relationship with your father. You can go ahead and put the first slide up there. And we're going to just kind of settle in right now and talk about this thing about relationship with the father. And I would like to use the analogy right now of a marriage. How many of you have been or are married and have been in a marriage relationship? Looks like almost everybody here. Okay. When you're, I'm, there's three words we're going to talk about and they're up there right now. Knowledge, expectation, and manifestation. When you're first in a position of getting to know somebody, the way that you do that the way that you develop that relationship that is so very solid and secure is by spending time with them, by lots of communication, lots of communication, spending good quality time. When you're getting to know somebody, you, you can't get enough of them. You know, nowadays it's texting, but in my day it was, you know, I... I you guys don't know this part of the story, but Kent and I lived across the hall from each other at Central. Literally. It wasn't even co-ed by floor. It was co-ed by room. And he lived right across the hall from me. So we were very, very close. And we got to know each other. We didn't start dating. We, we were living across the hall from each other for two years before we started dating. We were just friends. So we really got... And then, and then when he made it known that he was more interested in more than just friendship... Then our conversations changed and we just would walk and talk and walk and talk. And that, that relationship was just so, so richly developed. We spent a lot of time together. And then I started to see his love for me and his actions. It wasn't just his words. It was his actions as well. And how he would look at me and how he would, you know, just want to be by me. And, of course, how he wanted to put his arm around me or touch me. That was all part of growing in relationship with him. But the same thing is true with Father God. Before I came to know him personally, I didn't have that relationship. I knew God as a very distant God. I didn't have that close relationship to know his love because I didn't spend time with him. I didn't spend time in his word. I didn't pray. I did at church once a week, but I did, you know, when Kent and I started dating, it wasn't a once a week thing. It was every moment that we could get together. God, in order to come to know him and to really get to know him, we have to spend time, good quality time and lots of communication. Communication by talking to him, communication by hearing from him in his word and that's all part of knowledge and it deepens and it grows and you come to see like like i did with kent where i where i i saw him show me his love that's what happens when you come into relationship with father god you start to recognize his love for you and he shows you in so many ways he shows you and you get to know um as you read the word, you get to, to come to know his will for you. You come to know his compassion. You come to know that it is his will to heal because that's what he, that's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus did when he was on this earth. You come to know that there's not any such thing as not being worthy because Jesus healed everybody. The adulteress and the man, you know, who had been um, an infirmity for 38 years and didn't even know Jesus. Yet he reached right out and, and healed him. You come to know that as you read his word. So the first part of this, of this experience is coming to know him, the knowledge. Then comes expectation. So I'm going to go back to the marriage analogy or the, the relationship analogy. As you come and grow and grow in that relationship, you come to expect certain things, right? You know that person so well that you know what to expect. You know how they react. You know what angers them. 
You know what pleases them. In my case, I know what he loves to eat. And I love to cook what he loves to eat. And I, I know what he doesn't like. And even if I like it, I usually don't cook that because I know he doesn't. Because I know what he likes. I know what to expect. Many of you have heard me say this over and over again, but in the morning, I'll be darned if I'm going to make my own cup of coffee because <laughs> I expect him to because he always does. You know, he gets up, goes, makes coffee and brings me a cup of coffee. It's my expectation because I know him so well. But the same thing is true with Father God. When you come to know the healer, not just the healing that you may come you may be here seeking but when you come to know the healer then you start to have expectation many of you know that when i was diagnosed i had never seen anybody healed never seen a miracle didn't know anybody else that was healed i went i received my healing that was great news but then i started seeing other people receive their healing and more and more as we simply shared god's word as we simply shared my testimony and, and showed them in the Bible what the Bible says, we saw other people getting healed. That grew and grew and grew and grew in me, in Kent, until now, that's what we expect. It's, that's what faith is. Faith is expecting. Remember the scripture that says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? Hope is expectation. Faith is the substance of things that we expect. And the reason we expect them is because we know the healer. We know his promises. So expectation rises. Expectation. And then comes manifestation. 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 Coming to know Abba. And his love coming to know the compassion of christ expecting coming to know it to that point where you expect it above the doctor's report above what you feel or see or hear your expectation grows and grows and grows and the manifestation might be peace you might not even have the result yet that you're that you're believing for but you have peace that's manifestation you might have um, a, a knowledge of his love. That's manifestation, where you have an encounter with his love. You might have um, a mag magnificent answer to prayer. That's manifestation. You may have the final healing report. That's manifestation. Knowledge in God leads to that expectation, and expectation leads to manifestation. Now we're going to go and look at what the Bible says about how to get to that place of knowing Him, because that's the bottom, that's the ground level, is knowing Him and having relationship with Him. So let's look right now. Actually, there's a, a little, go to the next slide. This is just a little quote that I found that I thought was really, really good. The essence of faith. We've been talking about believing. We've been talking about faith. The whole overview, the whole gist, the essence of faith is the practical trust we express in God based on who we know him to be through our relationship with him. That's the essence of faith. It's based on who we know him to be through our relationship. So this teaching about relationship is central to believing and to faith. Kent, can I interrupt for just a minute to have you do a little adjustment here on the mic? I don't know if it's too loud or ringy or something, but it's distracting me. And it's probably distracting other people too. Does it sound all right? It does? Okay. Can you turn it down just a tad maybe? Thank you, honey. He's awesome. Okay, would you please turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29. It's after Psalms and Proverbs and Isaiah. 
And I'm going to read this in two different translations. The first translation is the message. We're going to read three scriptures, and then we're going to look at the starting point of relationship. We'll talk about that after we read these three scriptures, because everything is based on God's word. This is God speaking to you. He says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. The word decree means his eternal purpose. The eternal purpose of God. God says, okay, okay, girl, okay, son, okay, daughter. If you come looking for me, you're going to find me. You won't be disappointed. I'm going to read the same scripture out of the Amplified Translation. Verse 13. Then you will seek me, inquire for, and require me as a vital necessity, and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It says in there that when we seek him as a vital necessity, the word vital means you need it to live. You can't live without it. A vital organ is your heart or your brain, your liver. They're vital organs, and without those organs, you cannot live. God says, when you seek me as a vital necessity, that means you need me more than you need the air that you breathe, then you're going to find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, in both translations that we just read, who initiates this relationship? We do. It's us. We are the initiators. God has given us free will. His heart's desire is for us to come to him. And when we come to him, oh boy, he says, you won't be disappointed. Uh, You'll find me. If you come looking for me, you're going to find me and you won't be disappointed. In In the message, it said, when you call on me, when you come to pray, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. But it's up to us to come looking because he has given us free will. I have three children. I love them with all my heart. My arms are wide open. But they have to come to me. You know, I don't know if they need me if they don't ask. I don't know if they're having a problem if they don't tell me. And when they come, I'll do anything to help them. But if I don't know it, I can't. God wants us to come to him. Yeah, he knows. He is all-knowing. But he has given us a free will, and it's our part to come to him. I'm going to go to two more scriptures to show you that that's what his word says, that we are the initiator. The next scripture is John 15. Would you please turn there, if you have your Bible? 15, verse 4. Dwell in me, and I will dwell in you. Live in me, and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in or being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Once again, this scripture talks about being vitally united. It says that branch can't live unless it's connected to the vine. It is vitally united. If that branch is separated, it is going to die. God says, dwell in me, live in me, stay connected to me, dwell permanently in me. And when we do, that vital need is met. We're fed. We're getting what God has for us. But the only way we can get that is if we stay connected to him, is if we dwell in him. The word dwell in the scripture means to permanently abide. Permanently abide. That means you'll live with him day in, day out, morning, noon, and night, every breath that you breathe. Abide in him. And the third scripture is James 4, verse 8. 
James 4, 8. And I only put the first half of the scripture here because this is the part I really wanted to focus on. But the whole scripture is wonderful. James 4, 8. And it starts with this line right here. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Or in that translation, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Again, all three of these scriptures show that we are the initiator. When we draw close to God, he will draw close to us. If you read the whole context of this scripture, verse 4 through verse 8, you might want to write that down and read it during the week. It talks about the difference between, between being immersed in the world and worldliness or being immersed in God and, and doing it his way. There's a big difference. This scripture, if you read the whole context, talks about spiritual adultery. You know, and I know, I know back in, in the days before I came to know Jesus and have a relationship with Abba Father and know the compassion of Christ, I was completely committing spiritual adultery. God, who loved me so desperately, I was loving everything else more than him. It would be like a woman having an affair and not giving her husband all of her love and giving it to other people, other men. God says, don't have spiritual adultery. Don't go to the world and have love affairs with the world and do what they, you know, everything that they, they do. Not that there's anything wrong with being, you know, a, a person and going to movies and going shopping and having fun with your family and stuff. But he says, put me first. In my life, he wasn't first before I came into a relationship with him. He was in my life, but he wasn't first. God says, put me first. Come to me and just see, just see what's going to happen. So that's the first step in a relationship is just showing up. That's the first step, hanging out together. That's the first step. Like Kent and I, when we started dating, just being together a lot, talking. What we're going to focus on today is the number one way to come into relationship with God. And that is through reading the Bible. We're going to talk about three different things. We're going to talk about reading the Bible. We're going to talk about prayer. And we're going to talk about praise and worship. Today, we're just going to focus on the Bible, reading the Word. So would you turn with me right now to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We're going to talk about renewing our mind. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. The word conform means to be pressed into the mold. God says he's got a better way. He says don't be pressed into the mold of the world. If you look out there at the world right now, you see a lot of callousness. You see a lot of tolerance of things that God isn't calloused about and that God doesn't tolerate. It hurts his heart to see all the junk that's out there. And God says to us, don't be pushed into that mold. Don't be pressed into the mold. He's got a better way for us. He says to be transformed. And then he tells us how to be transformed. But that word transformed means to be completely changed. The root of that word, the, 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 um, Greek root of that word is the same as the word metamorphosis. And when you think about metamorphosis, about one um, thing being, and it comes out completely different. So there's the caterpillar that becomes the butterfly. It doesn't look anything alike. You would never know it came from the same um, egg at the beginning. You know, the egg is is born into the caterpillar and then that caterpillar eventually becomes a butterfly the same thing with the frog and the tadpole and the 
or the, the egg and the tadpole and the frog. Metamorphosis, it's completely different. Completely different. That's what God says. We will be. We will be made new when we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then it goes on to say, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So as our mind is renewed, we come to prove God's will. Proof means, you know, you've seen it manifest, just like that first thing we talked about, knowledge, expectation, and manifestation. As our mind is renewed, we come to see God's will manifest in our life in all areas. I'm going to give you some examples. This renewal of your mind comes through encounters with him, with God. We can encounter him in different ways, but the way that we're going to talk about primarily tonight is encountering him through his word. His presence is in his word. The renewed mind proves the will of God. I'm going to give you some examples. There are many, many verses in this Bible that have come alive to me. And I know you all have that with you. And the, the verses that have come alive to you, I call them, well, God calls them, rhema words, are different. Fran's are different than mine. Because Fran has different things in her life that God is speaking to her about specifically than he does me. I've got things, you could, if you looked at my Bible, you could see all over. I put dates on them and I say, rhema a word from God for this situation. And I've got them highlighted and I've got it, dates in my Bible all over the place. Let me give you one example. Um, when I was going through the cancer scare, I had, um, I can't go through the whole testimony because it's too long. But I had one test where I got a bad result. And then in the midst of the bad news, God helped me. To have, I know it was Holy Spirit wisdom, to look at it differently. And he gave me wisdom to talk to the technology person and ask good questions. And when I walked out of that test where I had a bad result, I walked out believing that the degree of cancer, the degree of the activity, was less than it had been on a previous PET scan. I went home that day, opened my Bible, and this was... 11 years ago, when I hadn't read the Bible, every day, everything I read was the first time I'd read it. And when I opened the Bible that day, the scripture was Philippians 1, verse 6. And it said to me, God said to me, right after that report, he said, Cindy, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion. That was for me. That was a word for me. So, I'm talking right now about having your mind renewed. When... God speaks to you through his word. When that word just comes right from the Bible and goes right into your heart and you're saying, God, thank you. That's just exactly what I needed right now. My renewed mind says, God talks to me. Before that happened, before I came to see God's word come alive to me, that was foreign it wasn't part of me. I wasn't a butterfly yet. I was just a caterpillar. I didn't get it when people said, God spoke to me. It didn't even make sense. Now it makes sense to me personally because I've, he's done that in me. So that's an example. Here's another example. Encountering the love of God. I talk about the love of God all the time. And we've talked about um, ways to acknowledge his love for you. And as you acknowledge his love for you, it becomes more real to you. As, you. as you are in prayer and as you're in that place of communion with him and just praying and talking and chatting with him, and he just fills you with that love, you know it. And you become renewed in that part of you. Again, before I had relationship with God, people would talk about the love of God. And it's not that I didn't believe it, but I didn't know it. It wasn't part of me. 
because I had never opened myself to receive it. Just like when I hung out with Kent for two years when he lived across the hall. Before we started really dating and falling in love, I, I can't say I loved him then. He was a really good friend. But I fell in love with him. And that's what happened when I started having a relationship with God. I started to know his love. And my mind was renewed in that area. I'm going to give one more example. Two more examples. When I teach, when I have the opportunity to stand here with my Bible and my notes and teach, I can't even tell you how awesome. I love it. I love it. And I've come to expect the Holy Spirit to anoint whatever I I come up here to teach. This week has been, I love it. My grandbaby's at my house and I love it. But I haven't had as much time as I usually have to prepare because he's up at 6.30 and that's my prayer time. So it's like, okay, (laughs) you know, try to keep him away. You can't. We've got this beautiful little baby. I can't push him away. So I haven't had as much time to prepare as I usually do. But I trust God to anoint his word. And it always happens. It always happens. So I have a renewed mind now knowing that he works through me when I teach. And I just know it. I've been renewed in that way. That renewal comes through encounters with his presence. That renewal comes through encountering the presence of God. And one of the ways we can encounter the presence is through the word. And my last example, of course, is healing. Healing. I have seen healing after healing after healing. And because I've seen all those healings, I have a new mindset. I know God's the healer. You can ask me at any day, at any time, at any moment, and I will always say the same thing. It's in my heart. You could wake me up in the middle of the night and shake me and ask me a question about God healing. And I guarantee you, I say, he is the healer, period. (laughs) It's in my heart. I believe it with every fiber of my being because I've experienced it many, many, many times. So the renewing of your mind comes through encounters with God. Would you turn with me to John chapter 6? The word of God is the bread of life. It feeds you. It feeds you. John 6, verse 35. And then we're going to skip over to verse 63. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Mm, It's a great promise. God is saying, Just like we need bread to live, just like we need food, and we need it more than once a week, right? I don't know about you, but I eat multiple times a day. God says, you need me like you need bread. You need me more than you need bread. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to quench your thirst. I am the bread of life. I am what you need. And just like a, a good, healthy diet produces a good, healthy person, same thing spiritually. That consistent feeding of his word grows you, strengthens you, nourishes you spiritually. But you need that on a consistent basis, not once a week, like I had my, before, before I knew Jesus personally. Verse 63 goes on, and it says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. The words that he speaks to us, their spirit and their life. He's going far beyond the physical realm right now. He's saying, my word is life to you. My word is spirit and life. And that word life is zoe. That's the fullness of life. The the God fullness of life. The life that Jesus came to give us. Jesus said, I came to give you life and a life of abundance. That's the life that this is talking about. Would you go with me to Proverbs 4? Love this 
love the scripture when we talk about the word and when we talk about life. Proverbs 4. We're going to do four different little scriptures in this chapter. We're going to read them twice. And they're on the overhead, but I'd like you to have your Bible open too and underline some words while you're there. We're going to read it twice. And the first time we're going to look at the word life or live. Remember, we're talking about the importance of renewing your mind and how the word of God is alive and powerful and it gives you life. So let's look at what the Bible says. He taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. There's the word live. He says, and when you see, whenever you see keep my commandments, you, you can replace the word commandments with keep my word. Keep my word and live. The next verse says, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. That's a promise, guys. God's promises are yes and amen. He says the years of your life shall be what? Many. Verse 13. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her. For she is your life. Instruction is your life. Verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. For they are life to those who find them. Healing and health to all their flesh. So once again, it says, the word is life to your flesh. Now I want to go to that word life. That's in there that you saw underlined several times. This is all in one chapter. That word life is the the Hebrew word che, C-H-A-Y. And the word che is in reference to the physical body. The word che, let me look at my definition. Living, alive, sustenance, maintenance, living thing, revival, renewal, alive, to live, to remain alive, to live prosperously, to be restored to life or health. It has to do with physical life. It isn't spiritual life that it's talking about here. It's physical life. You can go into a concordance and look up that word, and that's what you'll find when you, when you dig deep into the, the root of that word. Because there are other words in the Bible that mean spiritual life. Like zoe, like I just talked about in the other scripture. This one means physical life. And when you go on to the second half of the last verse I read, it says, they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all their flesh. That's not spiritual healing. That's physical healing. In fact, the word healing and health, the root word, is medicine. So his word is medicine to our flesh. The word flesh is flesh. It's not spiritual word. It means your flesh, your, your body, your organs, your systems. Okay? So the first thing I wanted you to see in all of those scriptures is that the word is connected to life. Okay? Now we're going to go back to verse 4 again. Because there's another really important part in all of these scriptures. And that is, what do we do with the word? Because if this word is sitting on my coffee table, there's life in there. (laughs) But I'm not going to be receiving it if I don't do something with it. And that's what the Bible also says in these scriptures. So let's look at what else it says. And you're going to see more words, different words underlined this time. He taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments or keep my word and live. So what does God tell us? What directions do we have as far as his word? Hold fast to it, right? And keep it. Hold fast to it and keep it. I'm not going to be holding fast to it if it's sitting on my coffee table. Verse 10, hear, O my son, and receive my sayings. 
and the years of your life shall be many. So our part is to do what? Hear it and receive it. We have a choice. We have a choice for both of those things. We have a choice if we hear it, we have to hear somebody else speaking it, or we have to speak it in order to hear it. And then we have a choice whether or not we're going to receive it. I've had people choose not to receive it. They might say, that's man's word. They might say, that's for the Old Testament, or that's, that died away. They're not receiving it. I received it. Fran and Tom received it. Lisa received it. Beth received it. All of us are here receiving it. That's why you're here. <laughs> you wouldn't be here if you weren't receiving what God's pouring out into you. The next verse says, Take firm hold of instruction. Don't let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Sometimes you have to guard it. Not sometimes. Always. <laughs> you need to guard that word. Because boy, stuff will come in the way and try to get you off track. It might be symptoms. It might be people telling you something different. It might be the doctor very sternly saying, you have to do this or you're going to die. That happened to me. You know, he said, I'll never forget. He, you know, we had to make a decision. He says, you better hurry. You don't have much time. They, they put that fear in you. You need to guard God's word that's in your heart and choose what to take captive and what to get out of that stronghold in your mind and what to fill your mind with, what to fill your heart with, the word of God. And the last one, verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. The word consent means to agree the word submit means to yield. Agree and yield to my sayings. Pay attention. How many of you have read the word and you're not even paying attention? We've all done it, right? Or listening to somebody and you're kind of thinking of something else. God says, pay attention. Pay attention. Sometimes you have to purpose to do it. Or maybe read it again. <laughs> maybe read it out loud. Maybe read it three or four times out loud to really pay attention. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. Keep them in the center of your heart. For they are life to those who find them. And healing and health to all their flesh. So pay attention. Agree with God. Choose to agree. Say, I choose to agree with you, God. I'm not denying the doctor's report. I'm just denying its right to exist. And I'm choosing to agree with you, God. And your promises. So, I wanted to show you this scripture because we're talking about the importance of renewing your mind with the word. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says, as you renew your mind with the word, you will have life, long life, health, healing. And that's what we're here talking about, is healing. Would you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. God's word renews our minds. God's word, encounter with the living God through his word, changes us, renews us, makes us metamorphosized. I don't know if I said that right or not. You got the idea. Okay, verse 16 and 17, chapter 3 of Second Timothy. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. I love that part. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. If you look at the root of that word, it means God breathed. All scripture is breathed by God. The living God breathed this word, inspired this word. Now, that's your choice to believe it or not. Like Tom said, it's true. It's truth. Whether you believe it or not, it's truth. And when you believe, when you choose to believe it, oh, my goodness, it's so awesome to just say, God, that's, that's your promise for me. 
My husband asked me to marry him. He gave me a diamond ring and he said, I give you my life. I, I want you to be my wife. God does that with every promise that he has in his book. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God gives us the scripture. It's breathed. It's inspired by him. And it's for purposes. He lists four things. We're going to talk about those in a minute. And then he says, because of this word, you're going to be well equipped for everything you need. That's all you need. His word. You'll be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to look at those four words. Doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. The word doctrine is another name for instruction. As we read his word, as we become renewed, he's giving us his instruction. That's way better than man's instruction. Way back in my, my days before, again, that I keep talking my before days, I didn't read the Bible. I did go to church. So I was listening to a man teach me doctrine. When I started reading the Bible, I realized that some of the doctrine wasn't in agreement with the Bible. The doctrine that we really need to be founded on, the only doctrine, is God's doctrine, not man's. So if what you're hearing doesn't agree with the Bible, you better be thinking about it. And you know what's so cool is God will show it to you. That's what he's done with me. I, can, I have specifically, again, my Bible's written all over him, and I've marked areas where what I had learned wasn't in line with God's word. He shows it to you. Those are some of those things he's shined a light on in the word to reveal to me. This is his doctrine. The second purpose of his word is reproof. Reproof or conviction of sin. I like to call that the diagnosis. You know, when we've gone to, many of us have gone to doctors and maybe you've gotten a diagnosis, maybe you haven't. But um, I like to... Um, use the analogy of God's word being the diagnosis, but it's in a good way. He shows us in our own heart or in our own life what he has for us to make us have a, a, that abundance of life that he's planned for us. In my case, one of the things that he's shown a light on was forgiveness, the area of forgiveness. And it, it did, you know, nudge me in an uncomfortable way, but it was with love. It was totally with love. That's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is of God. Conviction is his love for you, saying, this is what's best for you, my, my daughter, because I love you so much, because I want you to have everything that I have for you. Con condemnation is judgmental. God isn't judgmental, because all the judgment was already put on Jesus. So we, we aren't judged. That's the enemy. So if you're feeling guilty or not worthy, that's not God. And if that's the case, you can simply say, God, I am worthy because of what Jesus did for me. Because of his blood, I'm worthy. And if you want to come and talk to any of the ministry team, if that's something that, that you're feeling in your heart, we can go to his word and show you what the Bible says about the fact that you are worthy very worthy so conviction of sin reproof god's diagnosis in your heart or in your thinking and the third one is correction for correction now i think it's interesting i looked this word up in my concordance and i found out that it's only used once in the new testament you know, when you think of correction, you think, oh, yeah, I did something wrong and God's going to correct me. That's not what it means. First of all, it's only used once. And this is what it means. It means God wants you to, it's for your improvement of life or character. Improvement of life or character. It isn't a punishment. It's not a discipline. 
The correction is for the purpose of improving your life or your character. Now, I don't know about you, but I, there's probably something in all of our characters that need improved. I was reading a Facebook um, message today from Pastor Marie, Pastor Sarah Marie. She's our founding pastor. And she was talking, and I've just been thinking about this all day. She was talking about the fruit of love and the fruit of self-control. And she said, if you have those two fruits developed, all the rest will fall in place. Well, I don't know about that fruit of self-control. Sometimes it kind of wants to, you know, not be in control. So God sometimes gives you that, that nudge that says, Cindy, get yourself together. You know, it's not worth losing your patience over that. So correction. For the purpose of improving your life and your character. That's what that word is. And the last one is instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. <laughs> instruction in knowing your righteousness. Instruction from the Bible that shows that you are righteous because of the blood of Jesus. That shows that part of the gift of grace is righteousness. It's nothing that you earn. It's nothing that you have to get to a certain point to be righteous. Once you receive Jesus as the Lord of your life, you are righteous. You're never going to get more righteous because you are perfect. Everything has been removed from you. Every blemish has been completely removed forever. So instruction in knowing your righteousness being righteousness conscious instead of sin conscious. Knowing your righteousness and believing it. Even if your self-control flies off out of the window. Okay. Instruction in righteousness. So God's word inspired by God is to help us to live this abundant life and to equip us to do that. Being renewed in the word of God. You, you, you are metamorphosized from that, that carnal person into the person separated to God to do his will for the purpose that he has for you. And the last scripture is Hebrews verse 4. I mean, chapter 4, verse 12. And then we're going to talk about the practical, some practical application in reading the word. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. Mm. This word is alive and full of power making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of our heart. There's a lot of words in there. I chose the Amplified because I just liked the way it talked about what the word does. But first it says it's alive and it's powerful. It's alive and it's powerful. The word power in there is, it's not dunamis, which is another word that's often used in the Bible for powerful. It's E-N-E-R-G-E-S is that word. Energies, energies E-N-E-R-G-E-S. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But it means that it's effectual, it's active, it's, it's energizing, it's operative. So when we have God's word, there is an effect. When we have that word and we, we believe it, we speak it, we, we read it, we meditate on it, something happens. It's operative. There's a result of reading that word. And then it goes on to talk about how the word, I like to use the word filter. It filters our life and living and the world and God's best for us. It all filters through his word. 
And as you read his word, the stuff that you're living, it might be in my case right now, I'm being immersed in being a grandma. (laughs) So that whole process about living with my family and balancing everything is filtered through his word. And then he shows me what I can do to live like a, be a really good grandma and do what he's called me to do at the same time. Everything is filtered through his word. Another scripture talks about being washed by the water of his word. Kind of the same thing. It's, it's amazing the way he does that. You know, you can separate things out. You can move things around and say, okay, that's, that's not worth my wasting my energy. There are so many things in life that can pile on and pile on and pile on. And then God's word can say, let go of that. You don't need to spend so much time with that. It's not necessary. Sometimes it's God things. He's done that with me before, where I've been too busy doing God things. And he said, Cindy, mm-mm, slow down. Don't do that. Say no. There are many other times when he encourages me and gives me the extra time to do whatever it is that he's called me to do. But he's the one that does it. And it's sifted through an encounter with him in his word. Okay. So, I would like to close with this. And this is a practical application. What do you do? God says to renew your mind. We renew our mind through the Bible. But practically, how do we do that? So I'm going to give you some steps to get the most out of your time with the Word. This isn't part of the steps, but I think this is really important, especially after being a grandma for three weeks, for two and a half weeks. First thing is you need to find time. And you need to put that first place priority, whatever that time is. It might be first thing in the morning. It might mean setting your alarm 15, 20 minutes earlier. It might be um, setting aside your lunch hour and going to a quiet place where you can read the word. It might be before you go to bed. If you're a night person, I fall asleep, so I'm not good at that time. But whatever it is, you need to make that a priority and set aside the time and get... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say probably a dirty word in the, in the religious world. And that is, you might need to create a habit. Because if you don't, everything else can get in the way. If you do something consistently for 21 days, it becomes a a habit. So you may need to make a habit of that time. The rest of it, we want to be God-led. But you may need to really set aside that time and purpose to have that time to read the Word. And now here, when you have that time set aside and you sit down, you've got your Bible open in front of you, number one, approach the Word with prayer. Approach the Word with prayer. And I know I skipped a, a, a slide a while back. You don't need to go back there, Tom, but I'm going to read it from my Bible. This, and would you all turn there with, with me to Ephesians chapter 1? Approach the Word with prayer. Before you even start reading the Bible, talk to God and say, God, reveal to me. Open the eyes of my heart. Show me what you want me to see in your word. And this is a scripture that I love to pray before I read the Bible, starting with verse 17. And I'm going to make it personal. In fact, I'm going to ask you to repeat this after me. I'm just going to read the scripture, but I'm going to put our own self into it. Say, I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant me a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets, in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. By having the eyes of my heart flooded with light so that I can know and understand the hope to which he has called me and how rich 
is his glorious inheritance in the saints. And so that I can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. So we just took God's word and we prayed it. And what we were praying for is that he would give us wisdom and knowledge, that he would give us revelation, that he would open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, to see what he wants us to see as we read his word. So that's a great way to start. To start your, your Bible reading time with prayer. You don't need to do that scripture, but I just wanted to show it to you because it's a really cool one. You can just talk to God on your own. That was Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. Number two, read the word slowly and carefully. This isn't a book to speed read. Another important thing is you don't need to read it in order from cover to cover. When I was first reading the Bible, I was, it was recommended to me to start with the Gospels. And I started with the Gospel of John. You don't even need to read the New Testament in order. So let God lead you what you read. And I, I personally usually read a chapter, I'm sorry, a book. And I read one chapter a day. So I'll pick a book. Right now I'm reading 1 Corinthians. And I read one chapter a day and I just meditate on it. Okay? So read the word slowly and carefully. It's awesome to read it out loud. You're hearing Remember, God said in Proverbs, when you hear his word, it brings life. It's really good to hear it. So read it out loud. Read it slowly and really let it enter into your heart. You may want to stop and read a verse several times when God's kind of speaking to you about it. And that's actually what number three is. Meditate on the word. The word meditate is to take time, to let it settle in your heart. But in order to let it settle in your heart, you need to do something with it. Just like I do when Kent and I have something we want to talk about. You know, I share something with him and he talks with me about it. We go back and forth. We talk about it. That's how you meditate on the word. You take his word and you talk to God about it. You just speak it out loud. Read it out loud. You might want to read it from two or three translations. You might want to have, there might be a word in there that you don't understand or that you want to know more about. So you can either look that word up in a dictionary. I use dictionary.com. It's on my iPad by my, by where I read my Bible. You might want to go, and I gave you a couple of websites. You might want to go to biblegateway.com. It's right there in the Bible study. That's where you can read from lots of different versions if you want to. Strong's Concordance is also on the web. And I just go to a a Google search and type in Strong's Concordance. And then you type in the word that you're looking for. And it will give you the original Hebrew word if it's in the Old Testament or Greek if it's in the New Testament, like I did with that word life that was che. And it will show you what that word means. That's part of meditating on the word. Now, you don't have to do that with every verse or every chapter. But when God's kind of nudging you, it's fun to see what he's trying to show you. So meditate on the word. I've added a number four before the last one, because I think this is so important. And that is to journal. Journal what God's talking to you about. Journal your thoughts, because that's God talking to you. Journal what you're thinking about. Journal what God's speaking to you. Because that's the two-way communication. So have a a notebook next to you. And just doesn't have to be pretty. You don't have to be a writer. Just write little notes about what God's speaking. Put the scripture reference so you can go back to it if you want to later. Journal. And then the last one. Put God's word into action. We talked about God's word being the reproof and the correction. So if he's convicting you or giving you a, a diagnosis or a treatment plan a reproof or a correction, do it. When, my, when I was going through the, the thing 
um, years ago about forgiveness, when God moved in my heart and showed me that I had an offense, I, I, I took the action. Sometimes he doesn't tell you to do that, but in my case, he did. There have been other things in, my, um, in the ministry that he has shown me to do, to take action. And sometimes it's out of my comfort zone. But what I found out is that when I take the first teeny tiny baby step, he's right there to do the rest or to give me the Holy Spirit anointing or whatever it is that I need to do whatever it is that he's kind of nudged me to do. So take action. So those are five steps in getting the most out of reading the word, of becoming that new person, the renewed person that he has for you to be. And that is the foundation of believing, coming to know him. You can't believe someone you don't know. You can't believe and trust and have faith if you don't know the character of Christ, if you don't know personally, through experience for yourself, the love of God. It's fun. It's really fun to come to to that place of, of being in a relationship with him. And it grows. The song that we're going to close with is Carrie Job, The More I Seek You, because that's what happens. The more that you seek him, the more that you want him. The more that you come to know him, the more that you love him. It's awesome. So we're going to close with the song, and then we'll be available for prayer or, or any kind of ministry needs that you have.